Now, you know that we have been um, moving into our series on looking at Romans. And this is our third week in this series. And the premises of what we've been looking at within the series on Romans is the statement, I am not ashamed. I think it's an incredibly powerful statement. And it's something that runs through Romans. It runs through what Paul is writing. But you know what? I think it's really powerful that the people of this church have stood up to say, I am not ashamed. The photos of the people who stood up and said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. You know, it's brilliant. I loved it this morning as people came in and they could find their own photo and look at them and go, isn't that amazing? And go, yes. Having comments that say, I'm, you know, I'm not afraid to stand up and say this. It's a joy in ministry to see people willing to say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of my faith. You know, during the week, I was in a supervision session and we were talking about ministry. And one of the questions I was asked was, what is it that gives you joy in ministry? And you know what? It's when people come to the realisation of faith in Jesus Christ. It's when people say, yes, I believe. Yes, my life is changed. Yes, I want to follow Jesus Christ. Yes, I am unashamed of who I am and of my Christian faith. See, that gives me great joy to see each and every one of you who stepped up and said, I'm not ashamed. You know, it actually, ministry can be a hard time. You don't always get invited to things. You're not always the life of the party. You're always seen as the one who's going to come and tell you what to do. To say things are wrong and you've got to do it this way. And the joy of seeing each and every one of your faces is amazing. And it's the joy that you have claimed your faith. And that is powerful. And see, that's what Paul is encouraging us to do in Romans, is to not be ashamed of the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's not to be ashamed of it, it's to actually embrace it. It's to understand it. It's to own it. It's to know what it means that your life is changed through Jesus Christ. Have you been reading with the rest of the church, the, the book of Romans? Have you been going through um, the reading guide that we've, we've had there? Um, has anything been jumping out at you as you've been reading through Romans? That's okay. It's a rhetorical question. I don't need you to answer I just want you to think about it for a moment. Because, you know, there's, there's something that jumped out for me uh, as we were reading through Romans. And, and I thought it was actually really interesting. And that was actually, what does the law mean for us? What does the law actually mean for us? Law being the, the Old Testament um, laws and, and regulations, the do's and the don'ts within Scripture. You know, what does it actually mean for us? But before we go into that big, deeper theological question and, and exploring that, I want to ask you this question. Have you ever been in trouble with the law? Now, who, who's willing to put their hand up and say, yes, I've been in trouble with the law? 
Yep, there's a, yeah, look, I, I can put my hand up. I've been in trouble with the law. Yeah, yeah. Hey, let me ask you this question. Have you ever had a parking ticket? Well, you've been in trouble with the law. So yeah, yeah, let's, let's be honest. Those people have had a parking ticket. Yeah, you've been in trouble with the law. You know, um, what about speeding? Anybody? Yeah, okay, good, good. You know, um, have, have you ever, um, you know, there, there are all sorts of things. Uh, that, that can be there, you know, shoplifting, cyber crimes, all those kind of bits and pieces. You know, so often when we think about being in trouble with the law, we think the big stuff, don't we? We think about, um, you know, the, the big crimes, murder and, you know, armed robbery and those kind of things. But being in trouble with the law means that you've broken the law and the law is actually quite extensive. It has lots of rules and lots of regulations for us. And I, I bet you actually, most of us probably don't know all of the law that there is. And at times we actually break the law not even knowing that we're actually breaking the law. You know, we know it when we get the little letter in the, well, letter in the mail that says, you need to pay this fine and you also lost these demerit points. And by the way, here are the photos of what's happened. You know, we, we, you know, that's just breaking the law, isn't it? See, the law is the law. If you're caught breaking the law, what is the result of breaking the law? Punishment, isn't there? There's a penalty to pay. There's punishment to have. You know, penalty, punishment, those kind of things. And you know, it's actually the same when you come to looking at, within the Bible, the law in there, the, the Old Testament law that is in the law of God. If you break it, there is a penalty. I, I, I want to just um, share with you uh, this little scripture reading, and it comes a little bit later um, on in Romans, but it highlights for us this notion of what the law is. Um, and it's from Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is what? So, so if the sin is breaking the law of God, and, and what is the punishment of it? Death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? That is what it means for us to actually be free. See, when we look in the Old Testament, when we look at the Old Testament law, almost everything is punishable by death. Now, that's pretty harsh law, isn't it, when you start to think about it? Idolatry, punishable by death. I, um, worshipping idols, punishable by death. Breaking the Sabbath, punishable by death. You know, all these kind of things keep on coming. Blaspheming the name of God, guess what? Punishable by death. You know, it's pretty hard, isn't it? It's pretty harsh there, you know. Um, but see, the thing is, even, even when we start to go into this whole nature of what is that punishment that, that is there, when we look at it it's, it, it's either the perpetrator or the substitute. So an animal brought to sacrifice is put to death, punishable by death. Now, it's, it's everything, you know. I want to drive it home for you. That everything that we look at, when we look at the law of God, means that we can never get to the point of reaching the standards that God has for us. 
Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given. So the law is applied to the, to the Jewish people for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. And I think that is such an important, amazing concept for actually us to understand. You know, it sounds really heavy. You know, everything is punishable by death. But you've got to have that atonement, offering of atonement, so that we may be made right. We may be made justified. But see, the thing is, the law shows us how sinful we are. I want you to think for a moment. That you are standing in your bathroom. In your bathroom, you've got a mirror. How many people have got a mirror in their bathroom? And you know what happens when you look in the mirror? What do you see? You see, you see yourself. You see the reflection of yourself. You see who you are. And see, the thing is, you could actually have quite a dirty face. You could be covered in muck and filth and not even know it. You look in the mirror and what do you see? You see the reflection of yourself. You see how dirty you are. See, the mirror is like the law. It shows you how dirty you are. It shows you the sins that you have done. But see, the mirror doesn't clean you, does it? The, the mirror can only reflect what there is, that you have actually fallen short, that there is dirt upon you. It's, it's the washing in the basin. It's the cleansing of water over your face. Hopefully you might even use some soap or something like that, clean yourself up. But it's that thing that cleans you. It's not knowing that you are dirty. It's the act of washing that cleans you. And it's the same. The law shows us that we have sinned. The grace given to us through Jesus Christ cleans us of that sin. Isn't that powerful? The law shows us that we've sinned. And the punishment of sin is death. But what has happened Jesus Christ has died for us that we may be made clean, that we may be made brought back into Jesus Christ. See, the law simply shows how sinful we are. See, the thing is, when you don't know that you are dirty, you never realise that you need to be cleaned. When you don't know that you are sinful, you don't realise that you've fallen short of the glory of God. And that's why the law is there. That's why we read what scripture has for us. That's why there are rules for things that we should do and shouldn't do so that we may know that we've fallen short and we may know what God has done for us through Christ. See, Paul here takes great lengths to show the readers, the people in Rome, that they have sinned and that living by good works doing the good things, you know, just, just carrying out to the letter of the law what needs to be done won't actually save you. Just by obeying the law, law of God written here, as the Jews would want you to do, won't get you there. You'll know that you have done wrong, 
And you realize all through the Old Testament, what actually happens is that, that people realize that you break the law, you will die. And eventually all that will happen is that we will die. There is no real concept of going to heaven. There is a concept of just death. But we have life, and we have life eternal with our God through the actions of Jesus Christ. Paul wants the people of Rome and for us to see that there is the great love of God that gives us life here, and we can claim that for ourselves. This is what God has done for us. And this is what we call, in, in, in the church, we call this grace, the grace of God. And I want to put it up on the screen, the reading for us again, so that we may hear and see this for ourselves. We are made right with God by, notice this, we are made right with God by placing our faith in who? By placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. So this is a universal thing for us. It's not just for the Jews. It's not just for the Gentiles. It's not just for the Romans. It's for everyone. We are made right with God. We are put in the right place with God through our faith in Jesus Christ. For everyone has sinned and has all, we have all fallen short of God's glorious standard. Notice that this is what Paul wants us to understand. We all have sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. Yet, God, with undeserved kindness, declares that you are righteous, that you are no longer sinful at your rightness. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. So the penalty of our sins is death and he has given us life and life through Jesus Christ. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. This is the foundation of our theology. This is the foundation of what Christians believe. This is who we are. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past, for he was looking ahead and included them in what he would do in this present time. So it doesn't, it, it, it's saying that even if you had died before Jesus had come about, you were still able to have that grace there. And God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he declares sinners to be right at his side when they believe in Jesus Christ. So how do we get to the point of actually being right with God? Believe in Jesus Christ. So I'm going to give you a, a theological term. It's called justified by faith. It's a theological term. It actually means to be, to be actually made right with God. And, and, and let me just give you, and I'm going to go to Ephesians here, just so that you may kind of really get drive home this point. But God is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. See, that's what it means to be justified by faith. 
justified, actually coming back into that right relationship. The justice has been given. It, it means that we've been declared innocent, we've been declared guiltless. Now it says we've been declared not guilty. And how have we been declared not guilty? See, all these lists of rules and regulations, the law of Moses, the, the law that's been laid down, and the, what is the punishment for the law? What is the penalty for breaking the law? It's death. And what has happened? We've been told that we, and we've been declared that we are not guilty under the law. Because of what? Because of what Jesus Christ has done. And our faith in Jesus Christ. But I want to ask you this question, and this is where it really gets hard for us. Can faith cleanse me of all my sins? Can faith get rid of all my sins? Can, can repentance, can confessing Jesus Christ as, as Lord, can this get rid of my sins? Can being baptised into Christ get rid of my sins? Do these things take away my sins? Well, the answer is yes, and the answer is no, isn't it? The answer is yes, it does, but the answer is also no, it doesn't. Because when we look at the look in the Bible passages that tell us about how we are saved, we find that the bulk of them tell us that we are saved by the grace of God. And then coming in a second place, we have faith in Christ. And then there are you know about seven or eight passages that tell us baptism is involved in salvation, and two two or three talk about repentance being necessary. And then two mention confessing Jesus Lord. But you know what? All of those things, all of those things are us responding to God. It's about us accepting the gift of salvation. See, all of those are acts that we do. The cleansing of us is through the act Jesus Christ did, not through what we did. We respond to God. And God actually expects us to respond, to believe in, in our Lord Jesus Christ, to, to repent of our sins, to ask for that forgiveness of sins, to confess that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Saviour. God expects us to do that in response to the gift and the grace that God has given us. He expects us to be baptised. It's our part to respond to the gift that God has given us. You know, it, it's like being given a gift. How many people have been given a birthday gift and you've gone, thank you very much, left it, still wrapped, still sitting there and done nothing with it? Has anybody ever done that? But that's not what you do with a gift, is it? The gift is you open it up, you say thanks and you use that gift. It's the same with the gift of Jesus Christ. Don't leave it wrapped there. Don't leave it sitting there, not being used, but take it and use it. It's the grace of God that gives us our life. It's the grace of God that removes us from the punishment of sin. It's the grace of God that shows us who we need to be. And why did God do this? Why did God save us? See, God saved us on the cross. God did the work of our salvation. Everything else, faith, repentance, is just our way of signing up 
that gift of God. We can't do it. God has already done it for us. And there is only one way to God. So many people think that there are lots of different ways to get to God. There is only one way to God. Only one way to God. And let me put it here for you. Romans 3, verse 30 and 31. And what's it start with? There is only one God. And he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. There is only one God. There's not models for different races, different religions, and all those things. There is one God. Well then, if we emphasise faith, does that mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfil the law. Only when we have faith in God can we start to actually fulfil the law of God set down for us. We should never be ashamed to say that Jesus Christ is the way, the one and only way for our salvation. See, God's saving grace has no racial boundaries. It has no geographic boundaries. It has no economic boundaries, no educational gender boundaries. God's love is for everyone. Salvation is for everyone. The thing is that we just need to know that it's there. Freely given, ready to be accepted. All we need to do is accept that gift. And for me, I am not ashamed to say that I accept the gift of grace that God has given for me. I'm not ashamed to to say the love of God has been shown to me in the acts of Jesus Christ on the cross. I am not ashamed to actually say that I cannot save myself. And this is actually a really big thing. Because that is a sense of humility. Of not putting myself above everybody else. And saying I can do it all. I'm not ashamed to say that I cannot do this. But it's God who's done it for me. I'm not ashamed to say that I've been justified by faith. I'm not ashamed to say that the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. Are you willing to say that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? So let us just pray. Let us know this for ourselves. A loving, gracious God, you do show us what we have done wrong. You show us the sins that are there under the law. Help us to be conscious of what those sins are. But Lord, let us know that we can be made right. We can come close to you. That we can do this through Jesus Christ. Lord, help us now to accept Christ into our lives. If we have not done this, if God is placing this on your heart right now, pray with me. Oh Lord, I just ask that you forgive me the sins that I have done. I know that I have not done always right, but forgive me through the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I confess that you, Jesus Christ, is my saviour, and I want to follow you. I want to be a part of you. Cleanse me, wash me, renew me. Make me whole. I pray this in your holy name.